Thank you, Dre. I don't even remember it. You are loved. Hey, greetings from Hamilton. It's really nice to be with you today. And uh, that was a great uh, conversation, talking to someone you didn't know. The first time I came to the South Island, I came with my girlfriend, who was Jan. And, um, and we stayed for 18 years. And so that was quite cool. But now we're back in Hamilton, and uh, we love it there because we know that's where God's got us at the moment, eh? And I think any, anywhere you are where you know God's got you is a good place to be. But today, it is fantastic to be with you uh, here in Rolleston. We honour Andre and Hannah. You guys are an amazing couple. You guys are pretty spoilt having this couple leading you and leading the church. How about you give them a big hand, actually? That would be good. Doing a great job, raising a great family. That's awesome. It's amazing. Hey, Jan, why don't you come? That would be good. Yeah, do you want to give Jan a hand, too? She's... Fantastic. She has to be to keep me in line. <laughs> Good morning. Wonderful to be with you today. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. These, these, these two are amazing and they're family, they're beautiful children. And, and we first got to know Andre and Hannah uh, really, um, well, actually, the, we met Hannah um, soon after we came, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend to Christchurch um, as a little kid. There's Mike and Ruth. Hi. When they came back from Papua New Guinea, yes, and, and Hannah was a little little kid. So that's when we first met Hannah. And then got to know Andre and Hannah um, at Activate Christchurch, actually. And do you know what? You are so incredibly blessed because they got sent here from Activate Christchurch. And I don't know, I, I'm sure Activate Christchurch is still grieving. Um, but you guys are so blessed to have this amazing family. And, and wow, you're doing an incredible job. I love, I love this. I mean, last time I was here, we were in the, in, in the other part through there. We weren't in here at all. So it's, yeah, wonderful. A- absolutely wonderful. And an amazing team. We met with the, um, some, of the, some of the team last night. Incredible team. So I I honour I honour you and your team and the church here. Wonderful. Um, I I have got. I ask God what um, if if you if He would like to say something through me to you as a church. And just before I um, go there, is it Jordan that was that worship leading this morning? Uh, yeah. Wow. Is, have, doesn't she have a beautiful voice? Yeah. Yeah. So um, lots of wonderful people in this church. I got a picture of you as you were um, leading. I got a picture of you digging uh, with a you know nice big a great big spade digging in the dirt, and I and I saw you digging up gold uh, as in you know like real gold, exciting. And and I was like, oh God, what do you want to say here um, to Jordan? And I I feel like he wants to encourage you to um, to dig deep and that he wants to reveal treasures to you. He's got treasures and secrets that he wants to reveal to you, to you, his beautiful daughter. And so so to keep digging, and also I felt to encourage you to keep digging into his truth, into his word, to, to, to not um, ever give up on that, because he's going to continue, continually um, highlight uh, truths to you, beautiful truths, and they are going to be gold to you. And I see you passing on. I feel like... Um, um, you have already had things passed on to you from generations gone before, and I, but I see you passing even greater than what you have received passing on to generations to come. So bless you with gold. Wonderful. And the, the, the picture I saw for, um, for, 
for you as a church uh, was rolling hills, continuous rolling hills, you know, like the ups and downs. It's an amazing uh, that um, Andre, you know, and even the song we, that we sang was around mountains and valleys. Uh, and, and even, you know, I saw this picture here. It was like, oh, wow, it's a bit like the picture that I saw, this sort of the rolling hills. And from a distance, rolling hills is just beautiful, stunning, amazing. When you get up close and you go tramping or hiking, I'm not a tramper, but I might go for a day walk. Um, it, it's not so amazing when you are going up that steep hill, right? Well, I don't find it so amazing. <laughs> it's hard work. It's tough. But if you don't keep you know, going, then you're not going to make it to the, you know, to the summit or you're not going to experience the beauty, the stunningness of like, oh my goodness, whoa, I'm so glad that I kept going and, and got to experience that beautiful fresh breeze and that, and that wonderful um, view. And I felt that Heavenly Father wanted to say to you as a church that um, he has rolling hills for you, but that does mean the ups and the downs. And I, and I, and I heard him say, stand. Stand firm, Rolleston, Cornerstone Church. Man, Cornerstone, that, hello? <laughs> Stand on the Cornerstone. Stand firm. You know, uh, um, it says in, in, in Ephesians 6.10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And it goes on to say that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against um, rulers of the unseen world. So you're not fighting against one another. <laughs> Stand firm. We are in a spiritual battle. Stand firm. There are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things ahead. Wonderful summits to enjoy, but it is important to stand. And Psalms 1833 says, He, God, He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. Fix your eyes on him. It is him that will cause you to stand. It is him that will bring you to the the, the mountain tops to enjoy and um uh, and I and I want to encourage you to do that with unity. Walk forward with unity. Have each other's backs. You are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities of the unseen world. So I de- I declare uh God's blessing and his protection over you as you enjoy the, the wonderful day walk <laughs> or tramping, if you like, uh, along the hills and the valleys, along the mountaintops, the rolling continuous hills. There is more and more and more and more and more and more and more, way more than what, than what you can even see or imagine that God wants to reveal to you, that God wants to bring you to. So keep walking together at unity and stand. Thank you, Jen. Fantastic. That's great. Hey, online, nice to have you with us today. By faith that you're there. Hey, can you, um, can you remember what it was like when you first committed your life to Christ? Some of you might not have been long ago. But can you remember what it was like? Can you remember the passion and the enthusiasm 
Nothing was too much of a problem. It was like, this is for Jesus. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll talk to anybody. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'm like, I'm just right there because it's all about Jesus. Can you remember that feeling? Can wave if you can remember that feeling. A few of us, a few of us can't. It must be a long time ago. It was an amazing feeling. I can remember the exhilaration when I opened the Bible and it started to come alive to me. I started to read some stuff and it was like it was bouncing off the page and I'm going, oh my goodness, this is more than words on a page. There's something supernatural about this book. And I can remember that feeling stirring in me. I wonder if you can remember that today as well, what it was like in the early days. What about the first time you knew that God had used you for something? Maybe you'd prompted you to talk to someone or to give somebody something or to pray for someone. I don't know what it was, but you knew that God had used you in that moment. Can you remember that feeling? It's an amazing feeling. You're probably scared stiff before you stepped out in faith. It's normally the way. But afterwards, it's kind of this euphoric feeling like, oh my goodness, I did it. And God did something significant. I remember the first time I I shared... uh, Faith in Jesus was someone. It was terrifying, but it was exhilarating. It was amazing. Can you remember that feeling? You know, you're kind of totally on the edge of your seat, but you're prepared to go there because you love Jesus, because you've come into a relationship with him, and you know this is a message that's going to change people's lives. It's going to change the world, change the planet. It's an amazing thought. I remember the first time. You might remember this. It could be you today. Your early days in church, like it was pretty weird, it's freaky. Some guy at the front making us go talk to people, singing, all these weird things. But you knew there's just something about the atmosphere when we come together that grips you. You go, wow, there's something really special about this. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand what they're saying. But I know there's something amazing happening here. I remember that, and I'm sure some of you are enjoying that moment right now. Change just slightly. Imagine for a moment that you've now been a Christian for a few years. Can you wave if you've been a Christian for a few years? Right, I'm talking to a few of you. So you might not have to imagine too hard, okay? You've been a Christian for a few years. You've faced a few struggles. And some things just haven't turned out like you thought. Just me? Just me? No, no. You've seen a few friends who started really strong for Jesus, but the wheels have fallen off for them. And now they're MIA, they're missing in action. Just me or a few of us? A few of us, yep. Imagine for a moment you had some other friends and they started rejecting you because they didn't understand your faith journey or where God was taking you or what God was asking you to do. Just me? few of us? Yeah. This one we might not be able to imagine so easily, although depending on where you're from, you may be able to. Imagine some of your friends have been tortured for their faith. Imagine some have even been killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And you get sort of down and you put it all together and there's a few people that are just hanging on. It's not as easy as you thought. It's not as easy to stay as passionate as you thought it would be. 
these things have come against you and you're feeling the pain of some broken relationships and different things and you find yourself in a place where you're just kind of hanging on by your fingernails going, I love Jesus and I've given him my life and I'm going to serve him all the days of my life, but this isn't easy and I'm just hanging in there. I'm just hanging in there. And then you come to church on a Sunday morning and the preacher stands up and he opens his Bible and he says, would you turn to the book of Hebrews? And he reads this. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son. As an inheritance and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Wow. You see, this is exactly the situation that the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews was writing into. He, he's writing into a, a group of people that had started really well. They were on fire. They had got the, you know, they were on the road, the journey of faith. It was awesome but things were starting to change. And you know, sometimes things start to change, don't they? So he's on this amazing, these people have been on this amazing journey and now it's starting to get tough. He finds that their urgency is dissipating. That urgency of the gospel. I've got to let people know the good news of Jesus Christ is starting to dissipate a little bit and the Christians are living under the rule of Rome and they've got issues with the Jews and it's starting to take its toll. People are feeling fatigued. And they're in danger of looking back instead of pushing forward. I think there's a real danger in looking back instead of pushing forward. I'm quite a, a practical person. We're shifting buildings very shortly, six weeks. And I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. But but I've got some people already saying, we need to mark the occasion. We need to commemorate what's happened in this building, the wonderful things that have happened in this building. And I'm going, no, we don't. We just need to get moving. It's not about a building. I had an old guy, a lovely old guy, who's been part of the church for a long time. And he said, Sheridan, I'm really unhappy about, I love your vision, but I'm really unhappy about the move. I said, why is that? We talked around for a bit, as you do, and then he said, look, to be really honest, I wanted my funeral here. Well, that's reasonable. We've been in the building 30 years. I wanted my funeral here. So I had to say to him nicely, well, you've got two options. <laughs> you join the dots. It's not about a building, you know. It's about, no, no, we, we don't want to look back. Looking back sometimes can be helpful, but if it's a springboard to go forward, you don't want to look back to slow down and stop pushing forward because my experience is, and as I read the Bible, it's always forward in God. It's always forward. So Hebrews encourages the believer that, thank you, Jen, stand strong, stand firm, dig deep, 
make sure you're planted, despite the hardships that come our way, despite how we're feeling. The, and, and this is the thing, the author, how does he do this? He, he doesn't stand there like a military sergeant and say, you guys are a bunch of wimps. Stand up, get cracking, do more push-ups. Don't give up. No, no, he, he takes a totally different approach. He does it by lifting up Jesus. He just holds Jesus up. He holds the supremacy of Christ up really high. And he says, this Jesus is the Son of God. He's a member of the Trinity. He, he is the Son of God. This one that you've got your faith in is over and above anything and everything. Wow. He goes, this Jesus is the creator of the universe. Yeah, he's asked us to do this. He's asked us to go there. He wants us to do these things as we walk with him. But we're talking about Jesus Christ, the one who's over and above all things, the one who created all things out of nothing, the one who loves you to bits, and the one who's bringing purpose to your lives. He moves on from that thought to faith. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Faith. Faith. I've got to read my notes because I haven't memorized this or anything for you because I just really felt stirred um, that God wants to talk to you about faith this morning. So it's not a prepackaged, lovely, smooth sermon, okay? I'm just trying to roll with what I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to you this morning as a church. And I believe He wants to stir faith in every single one of us. You see, the author is inviting us to join the hall of faith like so many before us have. He's inviting you to join the hall of faith. That's amazing. He's inviting me to join the hall of faith. I like that. I get excited about that. The author spent 10 plus chapters encouraging us and reiterating the supremacy of Christ, how amazing Jesus is, how big Jesus is. And now he says, this is really important. You need to have faith in Jesus. You've got to have faith in him. And we get to chapter 11 of Hebrews. And if you want to follow in your Bible, I'm not going to read it word for word, but follow along. It's just an amazing chapter. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Uh, I tend to read from the NLT translation. It says, this, it says, so what is faith? Good question. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Boy, that's packed, eh? That's packed. I did some work on that a while ago, the original language. And, and the best way I could sum it up is faith is real seeing. Real seeing. That's what faith is. It's real seeing or pure knowledge. It's the confident conviction of expected things. Being convinced that these things are done before receiving visible evidence. What are you believing for? What are you seeing? What's already done, even though it's not happened yet? I, I trust that when I ask those questions, there's something going on for you. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, yeah that's done. I believe that's done already, even though I can't see it. 
Verse 2, God gave his approval to people in the old days because of their hard work. No. That's not what it says, is it? Talk back to me because otherwise I'm just going to like, I could tell you all sorts of things. I, I, I made up the scripture one day and a guy in the front row jumped up and went, yes, yes. And I was like, well, mate, it was completely wrong what I said. I thought, oh, he didn't know as well. So don't do that. God gave his approval to people in days of old because of their faith. Because of their faith. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed as God's command and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Wow. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. God accepted Abel's offering to show that he was a righteous man and although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us because of his faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Suddenly he disappeared, God took him. But before he was taken up, he was approved as pleasing to God. You see, God is love. God is love. His love is unconditional. It's not conditional on anything. God, it's who he is. God is love. God loves you to bits. He just loves you. He thinks you're incredible. He loves you to bits. For God so loved the world, John three sixteen. So he, he loves us to, to bits, but not all please God. There's a difference between love and pleasing. He is unconditional love because he is love, but Enoch was approved as pleasing to God. Being pleasing to God is quite different than being loved by God. And how are we pleasing to God or how do we invoke the, um, the favour of God? It varies, faith, attitude, heart, different things. should never be confused with God's love, but it changes. So it says in the next verse, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith pleases God. If I want the favour of God on my life, I need to be in the faith zone. Believing for some stuff that doesn't yet exist that I know only He can do. Faith and grace are quite different, aren't they? We're saved by grace, by grace, a special favour of God when we believed in Him. We can't take any credit for that at all, but it's faith that pleases him. Faith that pleases him. It was by faith that Noah built an ark. By his faith, he ended up condemning the rest of the world uh, because faith pleases God and faith obeys. Faith with legs on, faith obeys. Verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave his home and go to another land. He went without knowing where he was going. Both Noah and Abraham didn't know what the natural outcome of their obedience was going to be. It was by faith. What's God stirring you in today? By faith. By faith. Sometimes obedience calls us to move without understanding or seeing the future. You know, when Jan and when we came to the South Island, boyfriend, girlfriend, it was really exciting. We jumped in the car and we just came and we were here for 18 years. 
got married here, had our kids here. Our kids are die-hard Crusaders supporters, still. There's only one colour for them. And, um, and yeah, I try to sort of be where I am, but not them. They're real Cantabrians. It's like one way. And, um, but, but we came down, we knew God was in it. But we had no idea what it was going to lead to and what it was going to look like. No idea. We just went, I think God's in this. This feels right that we do this. So we did it. And it led somewhere. That's profound. Led somewhere. And even, verse 9, and even when he reached the land, that's Abraham, he lived there by faith like a foreigner living in a tent. So did Isaac, so did Jacob. You just keep going through the scripture. It was by faith that Sarah, together with Abraham, was able to have a child. All these faithful ones, this is the verse that gets me, verse 13. All these faithful ones died without receiving what God had promised them. They all saw it, but none of them received it in full. But they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed the promises of God. They agreed that they were no more than foreigners and nomads on this earth. They were living for something bigger than themselves. They were living for something that God had placed in their heart and they could see it, but they hadn't yet received it. Can I encourage you today, just because you haven't seen it, doesn't mean it's not happening and it's not going to happen. When I say see it, I mean seen it in the natural. If you've seen it in the spirit, that's where it starts. Be encouraged. Keep going. You, you may never get to see it fully outworked in the natural, but that, that's not the point, is it? The point is you're creating a kingdom legacy for other generations to step into. Because it's not just you and me. We're, we're on a project in Hamilton at the moment. And I just keep saying to our church when we talk about it, you and I may never see the completion of this project. We just signed off a 50-year plan for a facility. Well, I'm going to be 102 and 50. I might see it. I don't even know if I want to see it at 102. Like I would have heard about it for 70 years. It would be like, give me a break. But... But it's not about now, it's not about the generation even that we're working together, it's about generations to come because God's birthed something that we've seen in the spirit that's not yet been seen in the natural. I'm talking to a church that if you don't understand this, you need to understand this. Yeah? You need to understand this. God's got you on an amazing journey. You know, what are you seeing from a distance? could be in your life personally. It could be corporately. Start to paint that picture. I think experience tells me that it's really in the distance. You see a bit of a mirage. You get the kind of the basics. You know, if you think a cityscape from the distance, you can see kind of an outline. But as you get closer, it starts to come into focus. As you start to get <coughs> excuse me, into the outer suburbs, it starts to get clear and you start to see and you start to have something you can be far more practical with and outwork. What are you seeing from a distance? 
And maybe more importantly, can I ask you this question? Which way are your shoulders facing? Which way are your shoulders facing? Because if your shoulders are facing toward Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do, you're kind of going to go in that direction. If your shoulders are facing that way. But it's really hard to go here if your shoulders are facing somewhere completely different. And Jesus will allow you to go through all sorts of journeys of life. You know, you think the faith journey just looks like this, but it doesn't. It looks like this. Goes all over the place. But if your shoulders are facing toward Jesus, if your faith is in Jesus, if your attention is on Jesus, on the kingdom, you're going to end up where he wants you to be. Which way are your shoulders facing? Hebrews 14. Obviously, people who talk like these guys, Abraham, are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had meant the country they came from, they would have found a way to go back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a heavenly city for them. They're living with kingdom focus, with an eternal focus. I mean, I've worked my butt off for 30 years plus years to build a home that I really want to live in. I love where we live and I'd like to stay there until my body can't carry me up and down the stairs anymore. But it's not what I'm really looking forward to. I'm just passing through. I worked hard to get it. I'm going to leave it. But I'm going to have eternity with Jesus. I'm going to have eternity in heaven. That's the city I'm really looking forward to. That's the place I'm really looking forward to being for all eternity by faith. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac. It was by faith that Isaac blessed his two sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. It was by faith that Joseph, when he died, spoke confidently of God's bringing the people of, out of Israel, sorry, the people of Israel out of Egypt. So he was sure of that, and he commanded them to make sure they brought his bones because he had seen something in the eternal. Believing the promises of God without visible evidence. In other words, believing something in the future is faith. You can see something in the future. That's faith. I know your leadership have a great vision for the future. That is faith. That's what it is. It's faith. What do you see? What do you see for your life? What do you see for your family? What do you see for your church? What is it that you see by faith? Let it stir. Let it stir you along. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be treated as the son of Pharaoh. Know whom you are. Know whose you are. That's living by faith, or it allows you to position yourself to live by faith. He, Moses, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. 
He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of the Messiah than to own all the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to the great reward that God would give him. Friends, faith always looks ahead. It always looks ahead. If you're not happy with the now, look ahead. Faith always looks ahead. Faith involves confident action in our response to what God has made known. In other words, you might not have the complete picture, but step with confidence into what he's showing you at this point, believing that the rest will come to pass. It's exciting. It's scary. Some would say it's foolish. But it's about God. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. He wasn't afraid of the king. Moses just kept right on going. He kept his eyes, I love this line, he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. That's faith. Eyes on the one who is invisible. That's faith right there. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people to leave and pass over and all those kind of things. Faith operates, so read through the scripture, it, it operates out of a sense of awe and fear of God. It's not trivial. You know, God, God's not my mate that I slap on the back and say, come on. No, no, there's a, a fear and an awe around God. The stories, the accounts, the instructions, the judgments of God, they're not fables and fairy tales. They're actually his reputation. This is who he is. So I'm not going to treat faith uh, like trivia. There's something really significant about partnering with God and walking with God and what he's got for us. 29, by faith the people of Israel went through the Red Sea on dry ground, but then the Egyptians followed them and drowned. By faith the people of Israel marched around Jericho seven days and the walls came crashing down. Faith is not confined to a method or a formula. It's just not. You've got to hear what God's saying, see what God's showing, listen to what he's saying, and do it. Don't get stuck with a formula. Actually, faith simply listens and obeys. It's what faith does. I wonder what your God could do if you simply listened and obeyed. I don't know about I've chickened out a few times. Actually, I think that's one of the, I call it the chicken line. It's this little line that stands about 10 inches in front of your shoes, wherever you go. And the difference between here and faith is often stepping over that line. The chicken line, I call it. Over the line into faith. Okay, God, I'm in your zone now. And then my first prayer is generally, help. (laughs) It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, did not die with all the others in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Faith is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't respect professions, education, or even doctrine. Faith is about obedience, hearing God and being obedient. And then he goes on in verse 32. Well, how much more do I need to say? I'd take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received uh, 
what God was promising them. They shut the, lions, the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in the battle and put whole armies to flight. Then you get to verse 35. No one reads verse 35. It starts all right. Women receive their loved ones back again from death. After that, it goes a bit pear-shaped. But others who trusted God were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life. Some were mocked. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. Operating in faith doesn't guarantee what the outcome looks like. We don't want to read that bit. I shouldn't have read that bit. It was going good up till then. But success in God isn't measured, I don't think, on the outcome. It's actually more about the journey and being faithful to what he's showing us and faithful to what he's saying to us. Yes, we can apply wisdom. Please apply wisdom. We can learn all those things. But at the end of the day, we are walking an an obedience journey. And for some reason... It doesn't always turn out like we think it should. But that doesn't seem to be the point. The point is that they still operated in faith. That they still walked the journey of faith. That their eyes were set on the unseen city. On their eternity. On obedience with Jesus. Not on the circumstances that were there right then. How are you going? How are you going in your faith journey? They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people we have mentioned received God's approval because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had far better things in mind for us that would also benefit them. For they cannot receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. Did you get that? I skipped over it quickly for you. They cannot receive their prize at the end of the race until we finish our race. We're connected to them by faith. They don't get their prize because we're actually outworking what the ones generations before us saw. In Hamilton, I have the immense privilege of leading uh, Activate Church, which hasn't always been called Activate Church. We've been in the city 80 years. We're getting to step into something of the destiny of God in this season because of the obedience of the ones that went before us, which gives us the opportunity to buy faith for those who will go after us. That's what the journey of faith looks like. It's that family Dre was talking about earlier. We've got to finish the race. You've got to finish the race. Don't give up. Don't get despondent. Keep holding on. 
Don't allow tough times to dissuade you. Don't, don't allow a few insults to push you off track. Don't allow your head to get down. You've got to finish the race. Not only for you, but you've got to finish the race for the cloud of witnesses that surround you that are going to receive their prize because we finish our race. You've got to finish your race. Rolleston, Cornerstone, you've got to finish your race. What you're doing now is not even for you. It's about for the generations to come. You've got to finish the race. Don't get despondent. Oh, a few things went wrong. I changed plans about our shift three times in one day last week because things came unstuck. Right, we're doing this then. Two hours later, oh man, okay, we'll do this then. Two more hours later, oh well, I suppose we're doing this then. And guess what? This week, it's completely different to then. Don't, don't get despondent. It's not about you. I know our world only thinks about us, about me, about my opinion, but we're kingdom people and we're creating a legacy with Jesus for generations to come. You guys are in the middle of something pretty exciting. What does it mean to live by faith? I think it means that despite our circumstances, we live out our belief. That's that our belief is that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him and do what he's asked them to do. It means we take confident action based on what God has revealed about his character because faith is real seeing. It is pure knowledge. I know a few things now that I didn't know a couple of years ago. I know that COVID has been incredibly disruptive. COVID's been really tough. It doesn't matter what part of the body of Christ you are in. We've had to make decisions that no one ever wanted to make. We had to walk out pathways that no one ever wanted to walk out. We've had to do that. It's been very disruptive. It's caused some pain. People are carrying some pain. But friends, it's bigger than COVID disruption. It's bigger than that. This is about what Jesus has asked us to do as a faith community, setting up, creating a legacy for generations to come. Give it a few years, people would have forgotten about COVID, but they won't forget about the legacy that you're creating for the kingdom. They won't. You guys have need. You're doing a building project. That's like, there's need written all over that. How do you spell building project? N-E-E-D. Need. Need people, need money, need skills, need, you know, need the favour of God, need the favour of the council, all those kind of things. You have need. But hey, we're creating a legacy, a kingdom legacy for generations to come. That's an amazing thing. And do you know what else? Rolleston needs you. Rolleston really needs you. Without you and without other great churches in Rolleston, Rolleston will be a pretty dark place. You are the light of the world. City on a hill, shining. Rolleston needs you. You're creating a kingdom legacy, and I know it's easy to get tired. I know it's easy to get distracted, despondent, disillusioned, lose heart. I think I found all those things last week. But by faith, but by faith, I really pray that I'm planting or stirring something this morning that that you won't leave at the door when you walk out. It's a kingdom principle. By faith, by faith. 
We get to partner with kingdom purpose. When I think faith, I think long obedience. Jen and I have been back in Hamilton 14 years. Soon after we went back to Hamilton, God dropped this dream in my, my heart about creating a campus for the people of Hamilton. A place where everyone felt welcome. A place where people could come and they could have the needs, not all their needs, but a lot of their needs met. As we started to develop what that looked like and work with our leadership team of what that could look like and how it could feel, we, we really felt that we needed to be a place where people could come and have uh, find God. So a place of faith. But also a place of they could come and have their medical needs met. Social services, social justice, and education. Working away, chipping away for 15 years at it. It took 10 years before some of the neighbours of the property we wanted would even have a conversation with us about us acquiring their buildings or whatever. Just kept knocking on the door. 10 years. Gets a little bit frustrating. 10 years. But today, we have roughly five acres in the city that we can develop. Just kept knocking. Kept knocking. God's doing something great. We had to make some really unreasonable decisions. One building that we bought, by faith, stretching right out there, was just as, I can't remember what happened. Something went wrong in society. The money crashed or something. Can you remember what it was? Anyway, We'd signed up on the bit of building, and then all suddenly all the factors were against us. It was really unwise for us to sign up to buy that building. I met around the table. We had two boards. We went around the room. I said to them, "Look, I can't twist your arm on this. This is a big deal, you know. We, we I just we need to hear what everyone's thinking." We went around the room. Nah, this is crazy. Nah. This is too risky. Well, it would have worked okay if this hadn't happened, but we can't do this now. This is unwise. This is absolutely foolish. We can't do this. I know God's asking us to do something, but obviously the timing's not right. So we finished the meeting. I went home. I was, I was so downcast. I said to Jen, it's easy for them to say no, but I'm in Hamilton for this purpose. If they say no, what, what next? I'm thinking about me. <laughs> what after that? I know I'm here for this. So, so if they say no now... What's that mean? Are we, where are we going? Are we shifting? Because I can't, I can't resurrect this. If we say no to this, this is, it's, it's kind of done. I was you know, having a moment, pity moment, all that, like you do. Said to the teams, we'll come back in two days' time to this room. We have to make a final decision. We can't put it off any longer. We come back, we sit in that room, same scenario. I need to hear from every single one of you. I can't assume anything. I need to hear. I'm expecting kind of the worst, to be honest. What do you think? I had the most incredible God encounter last night. He says, we've got to do it. Oh, what about you? I've never encountered God like this in my whole life. He says, we've got to do it. What do you think? Oh, God just spoke to me clearly. I had a dream. He said, we've got to do it around the whole room. Sign the papers. Boom. Done. Amazing. Amazing. By faith. By faith. And I know God's doing some pretty cool stuff with you. By faith, we've got to be out of our current facility on the 26th of August. That's six weeks' time. Everyone's freaking out. Because you know the good part? I've got a couple of offices for the week, but we don't quite know what the weekends look like. By faith. I'm confident it'll work out. 
smiling on the outside, panicking on the inside, but I'm confident by faith it'll work out. There are some advantages when you're kind of a visionary blue sky thinker because you just see the headlines and go, wow, God, you've done that. Awesome. Where are we going now? It's the team behind me, they're the detail people. They're really freaking out. I pray for them lots. So what do you do with all this? You go to Hebrews 12. Therefore, therefore means what came before. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's what he said, the whole first 10 chapters. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. He is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. In other words, he saw beyond. He endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. I'm not exactly sure what your question is this morning, but I'm pretty sure that the answer is by faith. By faith. By faith. Faith sees, faith believes, faith obeys. By faith. How are you doing? How are you doing in that? How are you doing in your life with that? How are you doing as a church with that? Faith sees, faith believes, and faith obeys. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? When you close your eyes and dream, God dreams. What are you seeing? How's your faith? You know it all starts? With relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. You come into relationship with Jesus and he just opens your world. Uh, the thing, some people think relationship with Jesus means your life will be a bed of roses. I've found kind of the opposite, actually. All sorts of challenges come out of the woodwork. But that's life. Everyone faces challenges. But if you're walking with Jesus... In the midst of all sorts of things, he gives you faith to see the big picture, the future. That you're part of a legacy that has been created over thousands of years. And then, when we're done here, whether we see it or not, we get to spend eternity with him. That's going to be cool. That's not going to be sitting around singing Kumbaya. No, that's going to be like amazing. It's going to be really cool. All eternity. And it all starts by us saying yes to Jesus and receiving the gift that he gave us on the cross. Faith sees that Jesus Christ is real and that he is who he says he is. He is the son of God. Faith believes that relationship with Jesus is the only answer. The only answer for my life. The only answer for your life. And it's the only answer for a positive eternity. 
and faith obeys. Romans chapter 10. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Who needs to say yes to Jesus this morning? I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a second to say yes to him. It could be the very first time you're saying yes to Jesus. That is, that's just so cool. That changes your world. That changes your eternity. It could be that for whatever reason, the wheels have kind of fallen off your relationship with Jesus. Well, why, why don't we start again today? Because Jesus is good with that. Let's start again today. Let's say yes to him again. And let's go again by faith. Maybe today you just there's just something you know, there's something not right. It's just like a blockage between you and God. Let, let's clear that up, shall we? And go again. By saying yes afresh to Jesus. I can hear some of you thinking this morning and you're saying, look, I'm, I'm in church. That's all right, isn't it? Well done. But the logic of that doesn't work, does it? That's like saying when I go swimming, I'm a fish. It doesn't work. You're in church today. That's great. That means you're in church today. It doesn't mean you're in relationship with Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if you left this place in relationship with Jesus? Wouldn't it be amazing if you came in to sit in a seat and you went out on fire in relationship with Jesus Christ? Wow, that'd be cool. Change your world. Change your family's world. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you want to say yes to Jesus, those three categories. First time ever saying, yes, Jesus, I want to come in relationship with you. I receive your gift of salvation that you've Forgiven me of my sin. I'm saying, yes, I want to walk. I want to be your disciple. Or, Lord, the wheels, just be honest with him. Don't try and hide it. He knows. Lord, the wheels fell off. They've fallen off. I need real help. Can, can we go again today? Or I just know something's not right and I want to get it sorted this morning. Lord, can we sort that? And can we go again? I'm saying yes to you sorting that. Three different areas I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment if you're saying yes to any of those there's nothing special about lifting your hand by the way I just want to that the Bible says that one person gets right with God that angels celebrate so I want to see your hand so that we can celebrate with the angels because like if there's a party in heaven I want to be part of it yeah I want you to be really bold when I ask you just stick your hand up quickly because this isn't about worrying about the people on your left or on your right. This is about you and God. This is eternity at stake. This is faith at work. Put your hand up. Yes, Jesus, I choose you. I choose you. You ready? Then we're going to pray together. You know you need to say yes today. One, two, or three, those things. Give me a wave right now. Just make sure I see your hand.
Awesome. Wonderful, sir. Wonderful. Fantastic. That's great. Fantastic. Fantastic. I've seen at least four people so far. Wonderful. So good. I can hear the band starting in heaven. Disco lights are flashing for you. Angels are boogieing. Come on, there's a few more. You're responding to Jesus today. Just make sure I see your hand. Awesome, buddy. That's fantastic. Well done. So good. I think that's five people giving me a wave. So good. So good. Hey, why don't we all stand up? I, I think I think we need to clap and we need to give these five people a cheer. We need to join with the angels today. Yeah? Come on. Fantastic. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How about you pray after me? Jesus, I give you my life. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you that you paid my price, have forgiven my sin, have made way for me. Thank you that my future is with you. Help me serve you all the days of my life. I'm so grateful. Amen. Amen. How about giving them another hand? That's awesome. Fantastic. I want to pray for you all as we finish. Maybe if if you could just feel God at work in you in the whole area of faith, you'd like to lift your hands to Him this morning and just invite Him to do a work and continue doing a work in you. Thank you, Father. You see every person's response to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in this room and you're so welcome in this room. I ask that you would rest afresh on every hungry person today. Oh, that you would stir faith. Lord, that in this moment you would even birth new visions. That the spotlight would come on what you're calling us into and what that could look like in the future. Father, that for others you would help us resolve some things right in this moment that it's you that's called us and we will walk this out by faith in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that the conviction would be so strong on your people and on your leadership that no matter what curveballs and winds and twists in the road or valleys or mountaintops come in front of us, Our resolve to you would be, yes, I will walk by faith. I will stand and I will stand firm. I will remain planted in all the days of my life. I will sow into the things that you have shown me. Father, I pray and I prophesy the great, great eternal reward that awaits every person who knows you and seeks you, who believes in you and seeks you. I bless Cornerstone Church. Father, may every family, every person that comes into contact with this church, that is part of this church, may they know your peace. May they know your kindness. May they know your mercy, your grace. But may they also be stirred to the core by faith and the legacy that you're asking 
be created. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.